Mark chapter one. And trust me, I know your body tells you that it's an hour later than what it is. Just a simple thought or two that God gave me from this passage. There's nothing like looking at the life of Christ. I believe that Jesus went through a lot of things that he went through to help prepare us when we get to a certain place that we wonder what should we do? How should we handle a situation? How should we approach something? We can go back and look at how Christ approached that. And that gives us a guideline, a a ruler, if you will, in our own life to help us, to guide us through the situations that we face. There's some simple truths that we find. Mark is not like uh, the other gospel writers that wrote about this account. The account that I'm going to read to you, you can read about it later in Matthew chapter 4 and also in Luke chapter 4, the events leading up to it. Mark is the kind of writer that he just somehow gets right to the point. And he says it with fewer words. In fact, uh, Mark is a little shorter book out of the gospel writers because he doesn't use a lot of words, but he is very clear on what he says. So where the other writers were more descriptive, Mark is just very much to the point. And this is one of the encounters of Christ. Let me read verse, just two verses, verse 12 and verse 13. We'll look at some other verses before it in the message. Luke, or Mark rather, chapter one and verse 12. And immediately the spirit driveth him, referring to Jesus, into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness, 40 days tempted of Satan, and was with wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. Let me just break this down very quickly in three or four thoughts that God gave me as I studied this and looked at it anew and afresh in recent days. I think, first of all, this is a great warning to us because I look at that first phrase, the first two words, and immediately, immediately following what? This this encounter happens all at once, immediately. But what had happened just prior to that? Well, the gospel writers all concur it was the same event It refers to the baptism of Jesus when he came to John and said, I have need, John said, I have need that you baptize me. But Jesus said, suffer to be so. He said that all righteousness might be fulfilled. And he asked John to baptize him. And you'll read in this encounter, again, he brings it pretty pointed to what he's saying. It starts in verse nine. It came to pass in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan and straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened. Wow. And the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I've had some wonderful, wonderful experiences baptizing people. But not one time have I ever seen heaven open. 
And not one time have I ever seen the spirit descend like a dove. And not one time has everybody in the crowd heard the voice of the heavenly father. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is really an appearance of the great trinity. You have the son Jesus Christ being baptized, the spirit descending down upon him, the heavens are open, and the voice of the heavenly father. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What a heavenly encounter. I mean, I think you would agree with me if that would happen at one of our baptismal services, when one of the baptismal candidates, when they were baptized, suddenly we hear God's voice and the spirit there descending like a dove. I think you'd say heaven came down. It was a heavenly encounter. So here he is experiencing this unusual experience, this heavenly encounter, and immediately... The spirit in this verse says, driveth him into the wilderness. In the other two gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, the spirit led him into the wilderness. But this is all about divine direction. And that's really what we're looking at tonight. Getting to a place where that you start to question, Lord, if you, if you are with me, why am I at this place? This doesn't seem like the right place. And to start with, I can say those words and immediately gives us a warning. Beware. Just as sure as God blesses you with a heavenly encounter before you get home, there will be a wilderness waiting on you. Every time it never fails. Here he has this one. Why does God do that? Well, I think sometimes God allows that to happen and he directs us into those places because maybe if those things didn't happen, we would become too self-sufficient. We could say like the apostle Paul, this thing that's come, it's come because it's a thorn in the flesh. He knew that, but he said, and lest I be exalted above measure, God has a way of putting things back into perspective again. And you know, I'm confident that a lot of people, the reason that they don't pray more for God to bless them and for them to have heavenly encounters is because they're afraid a wilderness might follow. So why get blessed? But for those of you that understand, the blessing is always worth the battle. It's a battle to get the blessing. It's a battle to keep the blessing. But the blessing is always worth the battle. It's worth fighting for. It's worth holding on to. When God blesses you and you know the Lord has blessed you and helped you, it's always worth the battle that you face. So first we see the warning. Then we see the wilderness. How do you go from Jordan, the place of saturation, the place of descent of the Holy Ghost, the place of outpouring from God? How do you go that? Into a place of dryness and barrenness. But it happens. You'll find out that the higher the height you go, the lower in the valley you go on the other side. Life is full of climbing hills and descending into valleys. 
And this is a picture of what we do when we get in those wilderness experiences. It's funny how that happens. It's not that you do wrong. He was led of the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit can be driving you, directing you, but you get in a place and you're wanting to say, God, are you, are you sure this is where I'm supposed to be? I never imagined myself being in this place. Lord, am I really at the place that you've directed me to be? There's sometimes I can pick my Bible up and everything I read is a sermon. And there's other times I can read and read and pray and pray and study and study and it seems like there's nothing. There's times you'll go into a service and it seems like everything that happens blesses you. And everything that happens was just for you. And God wrapped it up sometimes in the words or in the kindness and the deeds of others. It's just like the whole thing was directed at you. And the very next service you sit in, you'll wonder, Lord, where are you at? You'll go into one revival meeting, you'll think, I've never been in a meeting like this in all of my life and experience it. And the very next revival, you're saying, am I still right with you, Lord? Do I have anything at all? I wish you'd help me preach. There are wilderness experiences. The good thing about it, here's how you answer it. Why are you in the wilderness? How did you get there? It's quite apparent here. The spirit directed him there. Do you know anytime you have a wilderness experience, there's only two ways that you can get in the wilderness. We have this example in the life of Jesus where he was led and driven by the spirit into the wilderness. But then in Luke, and we read of a demoniac in Gadara. And that demoniac, the Bible said, he was driven into the wilderness by the devil. So the question is, who sent you there? If the Spirit led you there, hear me, it'll be all right. But if the devil led, why would the devil lead me to the wilderness? Well, he wants to lead everybody to dry places. He wants to lead everybody where the wild animals are at. He wants to lead everybody to a place where that they feel their weakness and they feel their exhaustion and that they can't go on. But the good news is, as long as you know that God has brought you to where you're at, I think that's the biggest thing I deal with pastors constantly, that they're so discouraged and they're saying nothing's happening. But the key to all of it is, if we are where God God has planted us and God has put us. This shall pass in time. This event went on for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus marks the end of it at the end of the 40th day and the 40th night. He fasts, he hungers where he's at in the wilderness. But let me tell you something. If the spirit ever leads you in the wilderness, God's already marked your coming out day and you're not gonna be in the wilderness forever. There's a time where God will say, you've been there long enough. You've trusted me long enough. I've taken care of you. And the same spirit that leads you in will lead you out. That 40 days, that's interesting, isn't it? 40 days, the number of testing, the number of deliverance, 40. He told in Genesis 7, he told no, at the end of seven days, it's going to rain. How long will the rains be upon the earth? It shall rain 40 days and 40 nights. 40, a time of testing. They were in the flood, but the flood wasn't in them. They rode above, 
what drowned everybody else. Just making sure it's still working. 40, it's interesting in the fact, not only that, Moses was up in the mountain 40 days with his encounter with God when God gave him the law. 40 days, 40 nights. We also read about the spies in Canaan. I hear a lot of times how people will preach and I know they mean well and they'll say, well, it was maybe an 11 day journey that the Israelites could have taken, the Hebrews could have taken to get to the promised land. They could have made it in 11 days, 17 at the most, but God sent them for 40 years because he was protecting them from the Philistines. That's not Bible. No, God told them exactly why it'd be 40 years. He sent the spies in, guess how long that they were in Canaan? 40 days. And when they came back, there was only two of them that had a good report that said, we need to go and take the promised land. The others came back with a report. When they came back with their report, they all said the other 10, which tells me anytime you get a committee of 12 together, only one in six is gonna have the right view. I told you folks, I do this for a living. I can tell when I'm doing good and not doing too good. Either I'm not doing too good or you're not listening too well. Only one in six. One in six had the right view. And God, when he gave the commandment, he said 40 days, they spied out the land. Therefore, one year per day, 40 years, they'll be in the wilderness. A year for each day. Is that Bible? Read numbers, of course it is. They had to be there for 40 years. You say, well, God took care of them. A whole generation died. God took care of the ones that had the right view when they went into the wilderness. Everybody else perished. The ones that had the wrong vision, they all perished in the wilderness. 40 days, Elijah, after they praised fire down from heaven, we see him sitting under a juniper tree and there he's wishing to die. He's at a place now where he's in his wilderness. God has just performed the greatest heavenly encounter that any prophet could have ever experienced. We know that the prophets of Baal have been destroyed. Fire fell from heaven. God heard his prayer, but now he's sitting under a juniper tree wishing that he'd never been born. He was at a place where in his mind, he thought that he was worthless. He was in a place of discouragement. But then finally, the angel comes and wakes him up under the juniper tree and says, rise and eat. He lays back down and goes to sleep. The angel comes back and says, rise and eat. And the Bible said that next time, after he ate angel food cake two times, he rose to his feet and he ran on the strength of that meat for 40 days. It's a time of testing. It's a time of trial. Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he showed himself alive after his passion, after his death for 40 days. 40 days. Do you hear this? If you're discouraged and you're down and you wonder how you're gonna make it and you're in a wilderness, I've come with good news. If the Spirit led you there, it's not gonna last forever. But while you're there, you not only have the warning in the wilderness, but while you're there, you better be careful because there's still wild beasts there. 
There's wild beasts in the wilderness. That's why the devil drove the demoniac there. Only devils are comfortable among beasts. Like kind draw like kind. He wasn't comfortable there. He was among the beasts, but may I remind you, Daniel wasn't comfortable in the lion's den. But just because there's beasts that are there, if you're led by the Spirit of God, you don't have to worry about the beast. There are beasts. Some of you live around wild beasts and work around wild beasts constantly. The wild beasts are out there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Even the apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthian church in the first, in first Corinthians chapter 15, he referred that he had fought beasts in Ephesus. What was he saying? The beasts were rising up. They were trying to overcome him. There's some wild beasts out there that they seek to destroy you and just as hungry as Jesus was those beasts would have loved to have devoured him. But there's the warning. There's the wilderness. There's the wild beast. But there's the watch care. What watch care? It closes out by saying, and the angels ministered unto him. <clears throat> See, the wild beasts were there, but the angels were there too. Now maybe, maybe this is just me. Maybe you have never felt this way. If you haven't, fine. You can go home and chalk it up to your experience that you've never had to live like this. But there are times where I think that you feel like you're living between animals and angels. I mean, that, that's really where he was at. He's surrounded by the wild beasts. Why didn't the wild beasts get him? The angels. We had a wonderful lesson in Sunday school this morning and Miles shared uh, one of the testimonies of a missionary. First time I ever read that, Miles, was in a book from Billy Graham. He talked about that in in the missionaries and how that 26 men had prayed for this missionary at a certain time. One felt compelled to call the other 26 and the other, he had no idea I had this in my sermon, but I gotta repeat it to all of you. But the end result was they found out later that this missionary was in great distress. And at the same time he was in distress, one of these men felt led of God compelled to contact 25 others and the 26 prayed and they, they couldn't understand why this missionary wasn't attacked by the savages that he was amongst. But they didn't attack him because later when some of those were converted, they gave the testimony. They saw these large warriors that were there, mighty men surrounding him, protecting him. And they realized at the same time, 26 men were praying for that missionary. God sent 26 angels. By the way, one angel destroyed 185,000 in just a few moments of time. I you're safe with 26 angels all around you. I tell you why the devil didn't get you. It's because God said, I have sent my angels as ministering spirits even in the wilderness. He sends them to us. I'm not gonna preach much longer, but you gotta, you gotta get this and I'll quit. How do angels... 
come to us when we're in the wilderness. The Bible tells us in Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Now that word fear doesn't mean that we're trembling about God, it's that it's our respect for his holiness and his power. It's like reverence. It's a good fear. It's a godly fear. And for them that fear the Lord, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them. Do you know what that means? They're surrounded. (laughs) Surrounded by angels. When I was praying about this sermon, I I happened to catch a news report and I was watching the news from one of the metropolitan cities in America and they had some camera people there that were videoing some of the things that were taking place and there was a man that had taken some people hostage. Maybe some of you saw that. And the fella that had this loudspeaker kept saying, you might as well come out. You're surrounded. There's no way that you can get out of this if you don't come out. Do you know what God says to us when the wild beasts attack us? You might as well go ahead and get out because I'm surrounding them and my angels are surrounding them. That's why when cancer comes, do you know what you ought to say? You might as well go ahead and get out. He's already surrounded me. When COVID comes, you say, you might as well go ahead and get out. He's already surrounded me. When discouragement comes, you say to the wild beast, you might as well give up now. He's already surrounded me. When you're in sorrow, you say to sorrow, you might as well take your flight. He's already surrounded me. When you're at a place that you think you can't make it, God says, my angels, they're gathered around you. Every step you take, they're there with you. And he says, I will protect you and watch over you and take care of you. Surely there's someone that can associate with that. Surely there's someone that can look at the car and what's left of it, wadded up like a pop can that's been crushed. And you look at those pictures and somebody will say, how did you get out of that? Surrounded by angels. The accident that should have taken you out of this world, but God made a way surrounded by angels. There's people right here in this, right here in this sanctuary that I went and prayed for them when they were battling their disease and in their wilderness. And I'm not saying this because they're special or that God didn't love other people. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But everybody, Everybody in the ward that I visited, they died in a matter of a year. 
and individuals walked out of that and they've been here worshiping for years now. How did they get out of that? God said, you're in an isolation room and nobody else can get to you and the devil is plaguing you. But may I remind you, I have sent my angels to gather round about you to watch over you and take care of you. Thank God, as long as we know if we're in the wilderness, it's okay if the spirit led us there. The Lord will dispatch every angel that we need to get out. So what are you facing tonight? What do you need God to do for you? He sets his angels round about us. We have a preacher friend that he has preached from this pulpit. He used to travel a lot all over the country preaching. Been a friend of this church for years. And he became very ill. And one night, he was so ill and he was so fragile, hanging to life by a thread. The family wasn't allowed into the isolation unit he was in. And in the middle of the night, he started crying. He said, I don't know why I was crying, but I couldn't stop crying. And he said, out of nowhere, I couldn't see her face. But this nurse, she came in and sat down on the edge of my bed and said, preacher, what's wrong? And he said, I don't know. I'm just crying uncontrollably and I can't stop. And she said, well, let's take care of that right now. She stood up and reached under his arms and set him up and said, he, he was just like a baby cradled in her arms. And she just patted him. Dear Lord, this is your child. He's fine. You're right here with him. Said finally she laid me back. I hadn't slept in days and he said I fell right off to sleep. And the next morning I started asking around about that nurse. And they said, oh, you must be mistaken. Said your nurse last night, you had a male nurse. In fact, here in this isolation wing, there were no female nurses working last night. He said, I know there was one that came and held me like I imagined my mother held me when I was a baby in her arms. And he was so confused for days. And he said, one day the spirit of the Lord spoke to him, not with an audible voice, but to the inner man and said, some men have entertained angels unaware. I'm trying to tell you something. I don't care how dark your days are, how gloomy they are, God has not forsaken you. And if God has led you into this wilderness, there's a coming out day. And until you come out, there are animals there, but the angels are stronger than the animals.